So uh, I know that uh, a lot of you have, have known my dad. He was here before uh, Pastor Lucas came, and you appreciate him. And I just, I, I am so thankful that, well, number one, that he's my dad. Um, number two, that, uh, you know, you guys actually liked him because it just helps my, make my job a little bit easier. Uh, <laughs> and it's a lot easier hearing good things about your dad, you know, rather than something else. So, uh, so dad, welcome, welcome here. So what I want to do is I just want to read the, uh, the story of the Magi for us this morning, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into talking about the gifts of Christmas. And uh, at the end today, we're actually going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And uh, I'll talk more a little bit about that later. But as you are thinking, um, as, as we're going through today, talking about the gifts, please be thinking about how um, you're going to respond to this at the end. So uh, Matthew chapter 2. Uh, and you can, uh, it's going to be up here on the screen behind me so you can follow along or you can look in your Bibles. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, it's the first book of the New Testament. And uh, it starts off like this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jesus saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them. Uh, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star uh, that they had seen when it rose went before, before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly, exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Father God, as we read the story and as we come to the end there where it talks about the response of the Magi to you, it was a... Um, response of worship. Father, we pray that this morning that uh, that would be the posture of our hearts and our minds, that that is what we have come for today. We have come to worship you through um, engaging with your word, through song, through prayer, through many ways. But God, we, I just ask this morning that, uh, that as we consider the truths that come from your word today, that uh, our hearts would be soft, that they would be postured, uh, ready to, to hear from you, ready to have you speak to us ready to have you breathe life uh, into us. And we pray these things in your name. So like I said, my dad and I are doing a bit of a tag team this morning, so you're it. I'm it. <laughs> hey, before I dive into uh, what we've uh, written here and uh, want to talk to you about, uh, let me just say that it's a great honor for me to be back in, uh, in this place with all of you. Uh, some of you I recognize, a lot of new faces here as well, which is great. Uh, kind of like some of the changes you've made, and uh, it's just great to uh, to be back and and uh, and, and be with you on uh, this occasion. Uh, I know that 
Pastor Lucas has already said this, but I just think that maybe it would be good if you heard it again from me. I mean, I did connect the two of them, uh, but then I just backed right off and uh, <laughs> thought, these guys got to figure it out themselves. And so, uh, but I must say that we are so excited about the fact that uh, Dave and his family are here, and uh, we're just he hearing such great stories about how you've embraced them and, and uh, made them feel welcome. So uh, from a dad's heart and a mom's heart who's sitting over here, thank you. Thanks so much for, uh, for what you're doing. You know, as um, uh, pastors, uh, we have some challenges <laughs> along the way, and, and I'm sure you can acknowledge that, but uh, there's also some great, great upsides to being a pastor. I've had the opportunity of baptizing all of my children. I've had the opportunity of performing all of their marriages. And now I get this really neat opportunity of doing a team teach uh, with my son. Uh, this is our first shot at it, so uh, <laughs> be kind, okay? <laughs> and, um, um, but uh, we, we've really been looking forward to this and, and uh, talked about it a lot. And, and also, hey, let's go. Here we go. We're just going to uh, dive into this. You know, if, I, I suppose if you've ever heard the word epiphany, or if you've ever thought of it, probably what the scripture reading we just had is, is what popped into mind. The, the arrival of the Magi from eastern lands who came searching for the king of the Jews, and they were told that Bethlehem was the likely place where they could find him, and so they jumped back on their camels and followed the star 10 kilometers down the road until it came over the house where the child Jesus was. And captivated by the intense relief of having successfully completed their pilgrimage. They bow down to worship Jesus, opening up their treasure box of gifts and presenting gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now over the years, there's been a lot of, of interpretive effort uh, to unpack the symbolic significance of the gifts that the Magi presented to the child Jesus. And I suppose in some of these, they may have gotten it right. There's some probable uh, corresponding associations. For instance, uh, Dave's already mentioned some in, in what he said, but, but often gold is, is linked with the kingship of Jesus and incense uh, with his deity and, and myrrh with his death and, and burial. But I wonder if this is really where we should be focusing our attention and trying to figure out exactly what all of these gifts uh, may represent. Because it seems to me that what really drove the, the Magi to, to come to worship the uh, child Jesus was the opportunity for them to give to him what they anticipated he should receive. Their honor, their worship, their, their reverence. And, and so the gifts show to us the esteem that the Magi had for Jesus. So with this in mind, what is the epiphany, the revelation that we are to gather from the expression of devotion displayed by the Magi? Well, of all of the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus, gold is probably the one that is most recognizable to us, the one that we perhaps relate to uh, the most. It's the one commodity in the gift mix of the Magi with which we have the most exposure. While I was uh, preparing this talk, there was a, uh, an ad that popped up on my uh, computer screen from Amazon.ca inviting me to explore the gold box deal of the day. 
I was told that, that Amazon is offering amazing deals every day that I could say, and I could save big on toys, clothes, games, and vacuums. I mean, <laughs> vacuums, go figure. But anyways, but the advantage of, of gold is, is often used to lure me into using the, the, the furthering by buying power. And so I'm solicited to apply for a master card, gold card, or to ramp up my Starbucks purchases in order to gain gold status, or to take advantage of securing a gold membership at Direct Buy. I'm enticed to follow the gold with the hope of being rewarded in some fashion. The power of gold is not to be lost on us in our search for spiritual gain. There's a, a crucial tension, I think, with, within humanity to put God in our debt by what we do for him, how we work for him, how we give our lives to him. I remember one conversation I had with an individual who questioned why he should give any kind of allegiance to God. After all, he said to me, what has God ever done for me? The Magi stand in stark contrast to the you owe me attitude that is often adopted towards God. Indeed, it is hardly likely the Magi fully understood the position of Jesus in God's economic plan for his creation. Undoubtedly, they were familiar with the prophetic writings of Jewish literature, possibly through the carryover of Jews who had been exiled to Babylon, or perhaps who were still living there. But they were primarily astrologers, scientists, studying the constellation for signs and wonders that would give some indication of purposeful existence. The fact that they would leave the comfort of their own country and travel a great distance to visit Jesus without having a full picture of his place in God's story is captivating. I mean, scientists embracing mystery. Now that's a marvel in itself. The authoritative recognition they gave to Jesus through the presentation of the gifts of gold showed a willingness on their part to embrace the mystery surrounding the Christ King without the demand for knowing what was in it for them. They found more delight in searching out and finding the person of Jesus and giving tribute to him than holding on to their preconceived ideas of who he might be and how they might benefit from getting to know him. If the gold the Magi gave to Jesus say anything to us, it is this. People who learn to seek Jesus out for who he is without the encumbering preoccupation of their own needs, find a peaceful end to the deepest longings of their hearts. They may even discover in the words of Philip Yancey the Jesus they never knew. To me, the epiphany, the revelation found in the Magi's gift of gold is the hope that when we openly and honestly and earnestly look for Jesus, he makes sure that he is found by us. And so what's involved in refining our search for Jesus into pure gold? Let me suggest four quick things. Start with your heart. Start with your heart. 
It wasn't primarily inquisitive minds that drew the Magi to Jesus. It was a heart's desire to worship him. Secondly, don't be afraid to ask questions. I mean, the Magi knew they didn't have all the answers, and so they brought their questions to those who could give insight into their search. Third, study the scriptures. Study the scriptures, especially the gospels. The Magi were students of the scriptures. Otherwise, they never would have known about the birth of the Christ child. And finally, engage with other Christ seekers. The Magi didn't make this journey alone as individuals. They traveled as a group for support and safety. And the amazing thing in all of the searching that we may do in finding Jesus is the truth that all along he's been searching for us. We discover him because he has chosen to engage in self-disclosure. Dave, do you remember back... Uh, when we were in Chatham and in the, in the, you were in the youth group there, the, the, uh, the, the, the youth group, the students used to play uh, the game of sardines in the church. Uh, I think every, every advancing church needs to have the youth group play <laughs> sardines uh, in it. Um, but uh, yeah, just a, you know, I, I, I remember sometimes when I was in the office and, and I, I could hear the, the, uh, the running through the, the, the church and, and, and everything. Talk to us, what is the game of sardines? Well, for those of you that don't know, sardines is a little bit like hide and seek in reverse. All right, so instead of somebody being it and sending everybody else to hide and then going around and finding them individually, you send out one person to go hide, and then it's the goal for everybody to seek out where that person is hiding and join them, and if the person is good, they'll choose a nice small uh, cramped spot so that you can like try to fit 20 people in a phone booth kind of thing, and uh, you all kind of squeeze in there, and then uh, eventually everybody gets found. I mean, by uh, the, the last person joins the group, and by the end of the game, you have this big clump of people kind of laughing and giggling as, uh, you know, we all try to squeeze into this tight little small space together, like sardines. Where was the favorite <laughs> hiding spot? Uh, the baptistry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it occurs to me um, that God's not into hide-and-seek. It, it, it occurs to me that God's a sardines player. Where the where the person who is it hides and everyone looks for him. And when you find him, you hide next to him until everybody is hiding together and giggling so loudly that their location is no longer a secret. I think God is a sardine player. And when and will be found in the same way that everyone gets found in sardines, by the laughter of those heaped together at the end. Well, the second gift presented to Jesus by the Magi was frankincense. And uh, today, actually, frankincense has some fairly diverse uses. Uh, do you need to look good or smell nice? You can, uh, you know, find perfume and cosmetics that are made with frankincense to help you out with that. Uh, you got gingivitis or bad breath? Little frankincense in the mouth, little swishing that a little bit around, and uh, it'll cure what ails you. Um, if you're stressed out and need to relax... Well, frankincense oils, when heated, give off an aroma that's supposed to calm our minds and relax our bodies. But probably the most common use for frankincense is in worship, for, uh, for which it has become a symbol. In preparing today, I actually stumbled across this interesting fact about frankincense. See, frankincense comes from the resin of the boswella tree. Now, these trees grow in some of the harshest soils on earth. Actually, very little else can grow where these trees grow. 
In fact, the harsher the soils that these trees grow in, the finer the oils that, they, uh, that can be produced from the resin of this tree. This gift that the Magi presented to Jesus was one in whose value was related to the difficulty of the circumstances. The more difficult the growing conditions, the more valuable the product. A fitting gift for one whose life was to become defined by rejection, suffering, and death. Like my dad has already said, it is unlikely that the Magi knew the significance that uh, would be tied to their gifts as the story of Jesus unfolded. But that's not the point. The point of the gifts is that they were offered as an act of worship. The gift of frankincense, incense burned in worship with the sacrifices offered at the temple in Jerusalem, emphasizing that point. These gifts were offered as an act of worship. An act of worship, that, that's actually a very interesting phrase. Um, it's a phrase that makes me uncomfortable because it confronts me with the possibility that that's all my worship could actually be, an, an act. You know, something I do on Sunday without it ever becoming more than facts that I've learned or sung about God, something that makes me feel good knowing that I am loved and, knowing, and known by God and yet never challenges or changes the way in which I approach my life. If the act of worship never becomes action, then I've actually missed the point of Jesus altogether. So here's the epiphany. Christ comes revealed to us as the life sacrificed. It's reflected in the words of the song we sang, We Three Kings, glorious now behold him arise, king and God and sacrifice. It's underscored by the Magi's offering of frankincense. It is no mystery to us that Jesus came to be came to earth to be a sacrifice. In fact, his cousin, John the Baptist, declared when he saw him, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We understand that in the sacrifice of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. The relationship between God and us was restored. But could it be that this is where the key to turning the act of worship into action is found? Could it be that in the sacrifice of Jesus, we find out what it actually means to live a life of worship. Is following Jesus as the life sacrificed how we tu- uh, following sorry is following Jesus as the life sacrificed how we turn the act of worship into the action of worship. I want you to read along with me as we look at the words of Paul from Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Paul writes this, "Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, so in view of God's sacrifice for you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, sometimes when we read this verse, the temptation is to moralize it, to make, it, to make its meaning about personal purity. And I think that this mer- verse may have something to do with that. However, this verse is about much more than don't drink, smoke, or chew, and don't date girls that do which, by the way, I never did. All right, just, just so we're clear. <sighs> you see, if, if we go on to follow uh, what comes after this verse in Romans 12, we find out that offering your bodies as a living sacrifice is more about a posture of a life, of a life turned towards others. The life presented to God as worship is the life that is sacrificed for others. 
Here are some of the examples of how Paul thinks we can turn the act of worship into action, how we can live a life sacrificed for others. I want you to read um, these with me as we go through, uh, through them on this, the screen behind me. All right, So let's pick Paul up in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 10. Look, this is how we can um, live, live a life sacrificed for others. First of all, and read these with me, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Who knows what haughty means? All right, okay, it just means like, don't be arrogant, all right? Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The epiphany found in the gift of frankincense is that Christ is revealed as the life sacrificed. And our act of worship is to follow him in sacrificing ours for the sake of others. So how many gifts did the Magi bring? Three. We've looked at two. Let's look at the third one. The third gift that they presented to the Christ child was myrrh. Now myrrh is a sap-like substance that comes from a tree from a little different family than the tree that frankincense comes from. It's the Comifora species. And I discovered from uh, WebMD site on the internet, which I'm sure is uh, very true in, in describing what the myrrh is used for. I found that myrrh is used to make medicine. It can help decrease inflammation and kill bacteria. Myrrh is used for indigestion, ulcers, colds, cough, asthma, lung congestion, arthritis, pain, cancer, leprosy, spasms. In manufacturing, myrrh is used as a fragrance, in incense and as a fixative in cosmetics. It's also used in embalming. And I, and, and I think that as we have heard over the years, people unpack the meaning of the various gifts. Probably the embalming uh, meaning to myrrh is the one that we most often relate to. It is this latter usage that we often pick up on when interpreting the meaning of myrrh in the gift mix brought by the Magi. From our perspective on the life of Jesus, uh, we know that, his, that Jesus uh, died and, and that he was buried and, and that he rose again. And so it's easy for us to somehow present or, or see myrrh and being presented to the Christ child as something that would signal his eventual death. But it's doubtful that the Magi made that connection between the, the presentation of myrrh and Jesus' eventual crucifixion. Similarly, Mary and Joseph would hardly be thinking of the death of their infant son at this point. Again, let's remind ourselves of the purpose of the visit of the Magi and the presentation of their gifts. They came to pay tribute to the Christ child, to esteem him, to worship him. They were looking for ways to honor him. Now, having said that, is there an epiphany or a revelation for us? Well, interestingly, 
Although the visit of the Magi to the Christ child brought a sense of, of awe and personal joy to them, their place in the Christmas narrative introduced trouble and suffering. Matthew tells us, if we were to continue to have read on in Matthew chapter 2, he tells us that the arrival of the Magi in Jerusalem, inquiring into the birth of Jesus, caused a real stir throughout the town. Herod had assumed the, the title of king of the Jews, and to receive the news that a possible rival to his claim had arrived on the scene left him feeling very threatened. And as a result... A nervous shudder went through the citizens of the region because they knew it was never a good thing to have this king upset. Indeed, Matthew goes on to record that when Herod realized that the Magi had not heeded his request to return to Jerusalem to report to him where they could, he could find the infant king, that they had gone home another way, he ordered that all of the boys in Jerusalem and its vicinity who were of the age of two and under should be killed. Prior to this time, Joseph had been warned in a dream to take Mary and the boy Jesus and to flee into Egypt. Life is infected with, unre with an unrelenting dosage of suffering and sorrow. If the gift of myrrh tells us anything, it is this. In the midst of our pain and hurt, we have a healing presence in the person of Jesus the introduction of myrrh into the worship experience of the Magi tells me that rather than being driven away from God by my pain, it can become a means of drawing me into his care and finding his heart for me. The reality of sickness and disease and heartache is to fuel my hope in Jesus and lead to ruthless trust in his saving grace. Now, the flip side of, to this hope and assurance that, that Jesus brings to us in our time of trouble is his intention to bring through us his restorative mission to those who are trapped by disillusionment or discord or denial. He chooses to place us as gifts of his grace to them. The evidence of, of this showed up recently in, in uh, one of our uh, grandsons who... Uh, lives with his family in, in, in the West. Josh is the seven-year-old seven son rather, of our daughter and uh, her husband and is the middle of their three children. His uh, seat partner on the school bus that he rides every day to school is a boy by the name of Chase. Now the language Chase uses to speak to our grandson is, is peppered with the use of the F word and and I'm not meaning friend. Uh, on, on one occasion, uh, Josh turned to Chase and, and said, Chase, why do you use that term when you speak to me? Why do you call me those names? And Chase looked at him and said, well, that's what my dad calls me. Josh had said to his mom, Mom, you know what it's like when you hold your breath and, and, and you try to hold it for a, a, a long, long time and, and then you, you just kind of give in and, 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 and you just have to breathe? He says, well, that's, that's kind of what it's like when I'm, I'm sitting with, Ch with Chase. It's like I'm holding my breath 
And then I have to go and, and sit with my Christian friends for a few moments so that I can breathe again. And, and, and then I go back and, and sit with Chase. While we were visiting our daughter and her husband and family about a month ago, Josh came home from school from his uh, bus ride and said to his mom, uh, Mom, do you remember when dad became a Christian? Our son-in-law had made a faith commitment to Jesus when he was a teenager and had relayed his faith story to his children. Our daughter replied, yes, that she did know how daddy became a Christian. Josh said, I don't mean when he became a Christian, but how, or I, I don't mean when, but how did daddy become a Christian? And our daughter responded by saying, you mean when daddy's son kept, uh, daddy's friend kept inviting him to come to church time after time after time, and daddy kept saying no, but finally he said yes, and that night he came to ask Jesus into his life. John said yes, and then he paused for a moment and said, I want to be that person. What person, our daughter said. I want to be that person who invites my friends to church so that they and their families can become Christians, Josh said. And I know who I'm going to invite first. Well, who's that, his mom said. Chase, Josh replied. The gifts of the Magi are lost on us unless they call us to worship Jesus with the will to promote his mission on earth. So like I said at the beginning, my dad and I helped you out with the first question. What do the gifts of Christmas reveal about Jesus? The gift of gold reveals Jesus is one worthy of our worship and calls us to earnestly seek him. The gift of frankincense reminds us that the action of worship is following Jesus and sacrificing our lives for the other. The gift of myrrh reminds us that the mission of Jesus is about bringing healing and hope. So in which gift do you find your epiphany? In which gift is Christ brought near to you? This series of sermons is about giving us space to reflect on what it means that Jesus came near to us. And so I want to give you that space this morning. Um, the worship team is going to come up and they're just going to play uh, a song quietly in the background for us. But as you came in uh, to the uh, service today, you received a white, or at least you should have anyway, received a white piece of paper. And if you don't have that, you can just uh, simply use the bulletin cover um, for your response this morning. But um, as the worship team comes, uh, comes to, uh, to play quietly here, I just want to let you know that we have several ways in which you can respond this morning. Uh, maybe uh, you have, you're going, something's going on in your life that you need some prayer for, that you need some hope and some healing um, in. And, uh, and so we're going to have our prayer team up at the front here that you can come forward and you can receive prayer. My dad and I will be up here as well to, uh, to pray with you um, if you come forward for that. Uh, maybe there is someone that you know, who you know that you need to pour out your life for, that you kind of need to sacrifice a little bit for them. Um, uh, response could be to use that card and to maybe write them a little note or a note of encouragement or maybe just a reminder of, you know what, I need to do this for them this week. Uh, or maybe um, you're somebody that just, you, you want to just kind of make that commitment. You're reminded that the gold reminds us of the kingship of God and offering worship. And so you want to take some time to write an, uh, a prayer or uh, something, a, a note to God. And uh, 
you know, bring it up here to the front to place it in the manger as your gift to Jesus. We want to give, just give you the freedom for the next few minutes to respond uh, to Jesus and how you see fit. So uh, as the worship team plays, uh, just take some time to rest, to reflect, to, to breathe in God's presence. And like I said, if you want prayer, the prayer team will be up here and uh, us as well to help you in your response to God this morning.